Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Mark Jones to the podcast. Dr. Jones is the senior minister of Faith Vancouver Church in Canada. He's also an accomplished author, having written multiple books, including Living for God, Knowing Christ, and his most recent work, Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. Dr. Jones, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, delighted to have the conversation with you today. And uh, before we get going, though, with, with the, the topic at hand, which is on preaching on sin, uh, tell us about your your current ministry station and uh, your family, and uh, perhaps any other ministry or writing endeavors before you. Um, I'm uh, the senior pastor at Faith Vancouver Presbyterian Church, and at this church I've been roughly 15 years uh, and been really privileged to minister to uh, my people, but they also do allow me to to write a little bit and travel. So I've been traveling around the world to various countries for the past uh, several years, and especially South Africa, where I'm starting a seminary called Trinity Reform College in Cape Town. So uh, that's my sort of ministry. And then I'm married to Barb with four kids, and uh, we're um, avid sports fans, especially soccer. So uh, yeah, it keeps us very busy. And I'm curious, do you have any other writing projects in the pipeline? Yeah, i am uh, been working on the existence and attributes of God by Stephen Charnock for Crossway, and that will be out later this year. And it's a, a much more updated and uh, what we would think is more scholarly, but also accessible um, work where the Hebrew, Latin, and uh, Greek words are translated, that uh, archaic words are either changed or given definitions, and bibliography is filled out considerably, showing all the sources Charnock used. And we're just trying to make Charnock more accessible to pastors and lay people, and even scholars will be quite helped by it, I think. So that's been taking up a lot of time, and uh, yeah, just finished Knowing Sin, so I'm enjoying a bit of a break from writing. Good for you. I'm curious, um, obviously you have an affection for the Puritans. From where did that originate? I did my PhD studies on Thomas Goodwin as, uh, well, I actually started my Master of Arts dissertation on John Owen in uh, South Africa, and then I went to Leiden University in the Netherlands to do my PhD work on Thomas Goodwin's Christology. So I did a lot of reading, as you can imagine, during those those few years, and I thought, well, you know what, Um, I'm going to stick to what I kind of know. And then I, I did a work with Joel Beakey, which... Um, some people may know of called a Puritan theology, and I just sort of stuck with them ever since, finding them to be a, a great combination of pastoral theology, but also high-end um, theology as well. So it's it's a good combination in my mind. So the title of your book, again, is Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans, out recently with Moody Publishers. And uh, I'm curious about why sin? Why did you elect to write a book on sin? For me, it, there's a few reasons. Uh, one would be, as a pastor, I'm acutely aware of the, the problem of sin in, in the church and how it affects people's lives, even those who are in Christ. I'm, a, I'm aware of it as a person who uh, has indwelling sin. I, I think I'm aware of it as a person who also lives in the world and sees the, the carnage around us. And I think it's 
uh, been called the only empirically verifiable doctrine, um, you know, universal depravity. And with that in mind, given what I've read from the Puritans, I've always found them to have such insight into human nature and sin and the colorful language they use. I thought, well, maybe the church could use a book on sin uh, to better understand who we are and the enemy that um, many have said, the enemy within. And so what, what do you hope your book then accomplishes? I'd like people to be more aware of the specific nature of sin, not just the general principles. So generally, we, we speak of sin in terms of original sin, and, and, and sometimes even in preaching, we talk about sin and Jesus died for sins. But what my book uh, does is it moves from the general to the specific. And so uh, original sin is a problem, but then we, we look at sins like pride. Uh, we look at the sins of the mind. We look at temptation inward versus outward. We look at um, all these specific types of sins. So I want preachers to be better at analyzing human nature in the pulpit, which I think is still a problem. And uh, I think the solution then to the problem uh, will be better in our eyes when we realize what the real problems are. As we think about the topic of sin, I'm reminded of uh, the famous anecdote uh, pertaining to Calvin Coolidge, U.S. President Calvin Coolidge, who was known as Silent Cal because he was a man of so few words. And just uh, he, he, he economized words like no other politician in human history, I think. And uh, on one occasion, he went to church and his wife asked him, you know, what the, what the pastor preach on? And he said, sin. And his wife prompted him to elaborate. And he just said uh, he was against it. And uh, <laughs> I, I share that yeah. not merely for a, a podcast chuckle here. I, I share that because there is, uh, you know, the ubiquitous nature of sin. And a hundred or so years ago, um, when, when Coolidge was in office, I think it was relatively common to go to any given church, any given Protestant church, and hear a sermon where the topic of sin um, would probably come up in some form or fashion. But it seems like now in the 21st century, in the year 2022, if you visit a random evangelical church, all the more so if you visit a random Protestant church, you might well go not just a sermon, but a series of sermons without hearing the topic of sin broached. Uh, what is your assessment yeah. in that regard? I think you're, I think you're right. I, I feel like one of the worst things that we should be better at, but are not, is preaching on sin and preaching on sin in such a way as to make us see just how dangerous it is, how ugly it is, how real it is. And uh, I think our people actually lose a lot when we skirt around the topic, given what I see in the scriptures and through church history. So um, definitely there's a sense in which when I hear a sermon, uh, a lot of times I do need to be confronted with you know, the sins that beset me so easily. And I also need the solution to that. But the solution loses its power if if sin isn't really preached on. And so how can Christ and the gospel be sweet to a listener? I think you need to do justice to sin before that. So define sin for us. What exactly is sin? Yeah, that's uh, that's a, a, an important question. I, I have a uh, a chapter that, that looks at that. And I mean, there's the classic Westminster uh, shorter catechism answer, you know, it's any uh, want of conformity or transgression against the law of God. So it sort of understands it in what we lack as well as what we do that's wrong. So it's a, uh, 
people speak of sin in terms of privation, and the Puritans, as, as well as many Reformed theologians, um, try to understand sin in two specific ways. One is the lack of righteousness. It's a, it's a lack that we possess. And because we lack righteousness, we aren't in a neutral state, but actually we're in a state whereby we commit uh, evil acts and, and evil thoughts and so on against God. So it is a, a breaking of God's law by not doing what he requires as well as doing what he forbids, but it's also just a, uh, a lack of righteousness that uh, we need as those who are truly made in God's image. When you think about preaching on sin, again, I think conventional wisdom tells us that preaching on sin is unloving. But, of course, we would argue that actually it's the opposite. To not preach on sin is unloving. Mm-hmm. Why is that the case? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think if you were to um, you know, go to a doctor and, and a doctor sees there's something wrong with you, but he goes, you know what, they're not going to like hearing that there's something wrong with them. I'm just going to tell them you know, that they're, they're doing fine and come back next year. Uh, we would be appalled at such a doctrine. Uh, I think we would be um, furious because the problem is not being dealt with. So I liken it to that analogy in the sense that um, to tell someone, you know, what's wrong with them and then provide a solution is the most loving thing you can do. And that's what the scriptures do very plainly and clearly, uh, whether Christ speaking to his disciples, whether the Old Testament prophets to God's people, whether the apostles in the, in the New uh, Testament, you always see a very specific way in which they speak to the person, just like Christ with the woman at the well. You know, he says, you know, the husband, the man you're now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. You know, he zeroes in on her specific sin and it leads to her rejoicing and, and um, praising the name of the one who is the, the true water of life. So let me press this further then. Let's say we have listeners to this podcast that perhaps are reticent. Uh, in the abstract, they resonate with what we're saying, but when it comes to their pulpit this Sunday before their people and to routinely press in on them in a way that brings the Word of God to bear and uh, and uh, solicits the, the Spirit of God to work conviction in the lives of people, make the case why preachers should be particularly mindful to bring the topic of sin to bear into the pew. I think for me, the first reason would be we have to be faithful to God's word. And even before I think about my people, I think I have to think about God and and what has God tasked me with as a, um, as a prophet of sorts, uh, you know, and loosely defined in terms of speaking God's truth. Uh, I have an obligation to preach his word and his word very clearly has a lot to say about sin. So it's all about faithfulness to God in the first instance, and then it's faithfulness to the people that I'm tasked with shepherding. And if I'm a true shepherd of the sheep, I have an obligation to help them in the best way possible. And if God's word uh, is so insistent upon exposing the sins of God's people, as well as so insistent upon the, the grace that is needed in light of that, then out of love for God and love for my people, I can do no other than. Um, highlight sin and preach on it in a way that's very vivid, very powerful, stark, and sometimes convicting. When you think about preaching on the topic of sin, and uh, and again, bringing the text to bear in such a way, 
take us inside the, the homiletical work of actually preaching. Like, h- how do you bring the text to bear? Is that through application? How do you bring the text to bear in the lives of people that, that's, that's positioned to touch on internal sin issues and, 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 and positioned to, to ferret those out, to surface those in the lives of the hearer? Yes, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a Puritan this way, I think, in terms of my own approach to preaching. I know there are some who kind of look at the text and they believe their job is to simply explain the text and then let the Spirit take care of things. I tend to think that we need to do that. We need to explain the text so that people are aware that, you know, this is what the text is saying. But I also believe the job of a, a faithful preacher is to apply the text in ways that are, um, you know, going to make people think about what the text means for them. So uh, I, I do like exposition and application. I, I like in my application for the, the crescendo points to be Christ and the gospel so that the last thought they have is Christ. But even before that, I'm still going to um, look at you know how the text could relate to specific issues in our life. And sometimes those are specific sin issues. And then ask certain questions to the congregation about whether um, they are examining their hearts or their lives or their motives or whatever it may be. Um, so that's been my approach. And I tend to think that that usually what you find in uh, the scriptures, what you find with even Hebrews, or you find in some of Paul's letters um, or some of uh, the Old Testament um, pictures we get from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, etc. And what would you say by way of courage in the pulpit? And here I'm going to take us from America, where my listeners primarily are, to Canada, where you are currently ministering. And when it comes to preaching, let's say, on, on, on sexual sin and on homosexuality and uh, you know, preaching about uh, novel inventions of, of human identity and, and, and marriage, where there could be actual mm-hmm. repercussions beyond the congregation as far as members being displeased by the tenor of the pulpit, but actually to perhaps government interference, perhaps uh, uh, absolutely yeah. running afoul of legal authorities. What can you say to us about that? Yes, the, to me, the the most important thing, as I've said, is faithfulness to God. And so when I look at what God's Word says, in, especially in my context in Canada, there's a bill uh, that has been passed that makes conversion therapy illegal, which raises questions about um, preaching the gospel to um, those who have homosexual uh, inclinations or are engaged in homosexual lust, etc. Uh, when I preach the gospel, I have to give hope to homosexuals as well as to idolaters and thieves, etc., that the gospel really does change and that it is the power of God unto salvation and and so on. So for me, it's it's quite freeing to know that if I'm faithful to God's word, whatever trouble I get in, uh, I want to have the attitude of the apostles that we can count it a worthy thing to suffer for the name of Christ and to rejoice in that, that I've been found faithful by God in this world to possibly face those repercussions, which I think in Canada, for example, are, are coming quite quickly. Well, Dr. Jones, I've enjoyed the conversation today. I do want to commend your book, Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans, out with Moody Publishers. And uh, before we go, let me just give you the last word, the final word of encouragement for our listeners on this topic of preaching sin. My uh, 
encouragement would be to to pray that your pastor would be faithful to your soul, that you need to pray for your pastor, not just that, you know, he will be kept healthy and, and that he'll preach well by God, but that he will actually be faithful to you, that you want him to be a good physician of your soul. And I would say to pastors, pray to God that you will have the courage but also the grace, the patience, the wisdom that goes along with courage to be faithful to people's souls and to trust that God's word, rightly applied, really will be better in the long run for your people, but also for your own ministry and ultimately for when we stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And it is a, an honorable thing to be counted with Christ and his apostles and prophets as those who were faithful to God's people, regardless of uh, what happened to them. And that is a, a great consolation to me. And I pray for uh, pastors out there as well, listening to this. Dr. Jones, thank you for your book, Knowing Sin. And thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a real privilege. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.